0: And now, a proper introduction. I am joined tonight by my um, erstwhile co-host, Melissa Hart, and by our special guest, Jessica Bartsdale, who some of you may know from uh, from your courses. Um, and uh, we are going to talk tonight about many things, um, like the walrus and the carpenter. And we're go- among those things will be time travel and uh, uh, the mixing of different genres because that is something that that jessica is um uh an expert at and is exemplified in her her recent novel which i've been reading uh, the Plays the thing which is kind of a time travel um alternate history romance uh and i think there may even be a few other genres in there as well so um jessica can Welcome, first of all. And, and can you tell us a little bit more about your about that novel and everything that might may have gone into it?
1: Oh, well, thank you, Paul. And thank you for having me. And, um, you know, I just want to say what's been so gratifying um, about teaching at SNHU is being able to talk about genre and um, the different things we can do with fiction that don't have to necessarily be literary. So, um I'm sorry, now can you, re- now that I've gone, can you ask the question again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very open-ended question. I, I just okay. want you to kind of introduce yourselves. Tell okay. us something about yourself. Tell us about your, about the book that I referred to or anything okay. else that you may have coming down the pipe.
1: Um. So I, um I've been writing and teaching for a long time and writing a lot of different kinds of 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 books and uh, poetry and sort of have not settled like a a good writer should onto one thing and done it well I've sort of done a lot of things maybe some of them not as well as I should have but I really like to fall we were talking when before the the the, uh, the lobby was let in Uh, about something i just found on the internet today called terrestrial haste which is that our earth is now spinning um, 1.59 milliseconds faster periodically and it's like being able i enjoy so much being able to 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 take stuff that i find and use it in the way that i want to use it as opposed to having to follow um what my agent might you know and i have had agents who have encouraged me to not do things, and I've had agents encourage me to do things I haven't wanted to do, um, and I I just really, I found a, a way of writing what I want to write and managing to get it out into the world anyway, <laughs> despite that, but um, the place of the, the thing came from something similar, it was like a little strand in a conversation at a Christmas party where one of my sons' then girlfriend said something like where does the name Jessica come from and i'm like well let me tell you it it shakespeare and and then we we just and then i just she asked uh, she goes so if he invented she was a little tipsy she said if he invented the name Jessica you know what if he was haunted by all of them and i thought well what if he was haunted by all of them and so i just I think as writers we tend to get like a little brain worm and we just we can't let it go and we and sometimes they're little tiny phrases or their um their ideas like a plot idea or sometimes it's like a history of someone you know that you carry around in your mind for years and you finally write that story and Um, So I I just I really enjoy being able to follow what I want or what I want to write. And that's why I always encourage people to have day jobs. (laughs) 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 Because who knows what will happen. Um, And it's just really fun to be to be able to play to play with all the ideas.
0: Do you think that that genre fiction offers you more of an opportunity to do that than say if you were trying to write more? I don't know, mainstream literary fiction.
1: I I, I do. I I feel I just had a story uh, come in second place. It's coming out in Story Quarterly, which is very literary. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this story is about a woman who decides that she wants to go in cryogenesis during the pandemic. She's had it. She's done. She's going to freeze herself. And it's they say it's for seventy five years, and I won't give away the end of it, but i thought i during the heat or the 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 lack of heat of the pandemic you know somewhere deep in twenty twenty i thought is this is this is this endurable can must one live through this um and then I thought. Of something I heard a long time ago, and I don't know if it's true, but a friend of mine's mother told me that there used to be a grief therapy where they would basically sedate a a person for a long period of time, like maybe a month, so that they they could undergo their grief while unconscious. Wow. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, so I put the two ideas kind of together. It's like I... And so she basically says in the story, she says goodbye to her her husband, and she makes all her plans. And it's a it's little it's really not our it isn't our pandemic. It's a pandemic in a few years. And she basically says, and she goes off to Portland, is where I put the facility. Um, <laughs> and the story goes on, but it's a, it's a good story. It's it's lit, it's written in the literary style. But I got some feedback from some nice editors at nice journals saying, you know, we really like this. We really think it's great, but it's just a little too science speculative for mm. our, for our tastes. Interesting. And please feel free to submit some, some of your best work. I'm like, well, that's the best work I have right now. I hate that comment. So I, 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 um, I just didn't give up on it though. But so the, to answer your question, yes, literary markets are not quite as open. Some are and some aren't. It's opened up a bit. You know, famous writers will will sort of dip down and write a
2: a werewolf
1: story, or they'll dip down and do some vampires. Uh, but I, I I do think it's changing so that there's more acceptance of some of these tropes that we all we we love we love a good romance vampire time travel story i mean most of us
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm definitely enjoying the plays the thing um it's uh let's talk a little bit about how you mesh all the genres together tell me about about that like how do you decide on the proper balance, the, the recipe, so to speak, for, for your story, you know, you don't want to add a, a too much of, of the romance perhaps, or you don't want right. to overpower it with, with science fiction. So how do you find the right balance for this particular story?
1: You know, I came at it in a weird way. I had to use a, the time travel trope to get my character there. And I, I, my favorite I used all my experience as teaching Shakespeare to, to write the beginning of it, because this is kind of a dream. This is a fangirl moment, right? I'm in Shakespeare's room finally. What do I get to say to him? What do I get to learn about him? What do I get to know? But I had to get him there. And so I've I've read a lot of time travel books, and I decided that I would just, okay, so in terms of that rule or – I wasn't going to go overboard with explaining the time mm-hmm. travel. I would go at it as if being my character. She doesn't know how she got there. And really, I didn't either. Right. And and, it, at, it,
0: it, in a way, it doesn't matter.
1: Right. Like there's no there wasn't a key. There was no, you know, nothing she had to touch. People kept telling me, well, what's the object? What is the I go? I don't know. She's just there. <laughs> so I I end, um I but I figured I'd figure it out later. You know, and just keep writing. I couldn't have it be um a romance per se. I couldn't have all the tropes of a romance because Shakespeare has to stay in his time, and he has to do what he needs to do
0: you're and You're bound by history
1: I'm bound by history, so that was kind of a good rule that was a kind of a good recipe. And then I, I also, you know, I love, I've written romances and I adore, I adore them in some ways, but I didn't want to have to follow along with, you know, enemies to friends. There's a little bit of that in there, but it ends quickly, you know. So I was able to sort of move through what I know, knew to to create it, and then whenever someone said, "Oh, you're info dumping." you know, there's the history, historical fiction part, you know, pull it out. Or if a number of people said, how did she get there? Explain the time travel. Okay, maybe I need to go a little bit more into that trope and work that. Um, and if if is it, oh, it's too feminist at the end. Well, then maybe I I played around with some of those ideas too. So I guess my idea of the recipe is that readers are the recipe. So my writing group, my beta readers, they really helped me tune what I was doing with the story.
0: That's that's amazing. That's fascinating. Um, Can I ask
2: so a question?
0: Please jump in.
1: I'm curious about how poetry informs your prose. That is such a good question, and and I think it informs, um, it always informs my prose. I started as a poet, um, and I took a lot of classes. You know, I I just was able, um, I took classes from Diane de Prima in the um, Bay Area. I, to, I took classes from um, a lot of very famous, you know, I was living At the time when I started writing, you know, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, after I got out of college, and had my kids, I felt like, okay, now maybe I can start writing. Um, I thought, okay, I I have all these people available to me, so I my toolbox. before I even started writing prose, I had just all sorts of, you know, description, specificity, metaphor, you know, line, the the importance of the line in every word. It's, it's helped me so much as a writer when I think about, you know, I have a thing against repetition. I don't know if it drives you guys crazy, but it drives me insane. So, in my own writing and in others. So, if I, it's, it, poetry, I think, sort of, keyed me into the the importance of the line, but then of the sentence and the, of the paragraph. It also trained me to read aloud, so, because you know poets are all you know. It's poems are short. You can go to a lot of readings. People will listen to you for two minutes, and that's fine. But I got into the habit of reading my stuff aloud, mm-hmm. so um, I can I can hear my repetition or my my broken sentences or um, uh, but. I continue, you know, I just keep keep I'm right now doing a uh, poetry um, work sh- uh, writing workshop with two Sylvia. It's online. It comes to me every day. I kind of tense every morning. I have to open my prompt like what am I going to have to do? But I um, I I do this constantly. It keeps me just energized. And then I'll find something like terrestrial haste in a prompt. And I'm like, oh, this is a story. <laughs> or a poem in the pro like will become a, a prose piece, and it'll become, or it will become a flash fiction, which can become a short story. So, there's opportunities to take poetry other directions. You know, I can take it into the prose world very easily. I I, rec- I always recommend my to, to my students in the writing classes to take a poetry class. You know, fiction writers are kind of awful about poetry, too. You know, they go, oh, it's poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I just know I can't do poetry. And it's like, of course you can. <laughs> it's so great. Do
0: you write poetry, Melissa?
2: No, I did as an undergrad. That was my focus when I was getting a degree in literature. I think it's one of the best Classes that a, a prose writer can take, though, for all the reasons Jessica just described, economy of language and attention to a specific word and and the rhythm and the meter and all of that, I think, enhances prose so much. But no, I,
1: I don't. I don't write poetry. I, I, so, I have to agree, just, though. Did it stop or do you just not go there? Do you just go write to prose?
2: Yeah, I just go right to prose.
0: <laughs> I, I wonder how many how many fiction writers like me are are kind of failed poets, because I, oh. I started and I wanted to be a poet when I was all, all through college. I wanted to be a poet. Um, and then I then I I met some real poets and I realized I'm I'm not a poet, but I still have a love of words, a love of language, and I love you know, I love to 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 write. I love to write particular kinds of fiction, specifically speculative fiction. I didn't realize until until well into my college years that that was like a viable uh, way of of pursuing a literary ambition, right? Just like we were you were talking about earlier, Jessica, the the, the idea that that maybe literary journals are still a little bit um, gun shy or prejudiced against speculative fiction it's
1: uh, ex- except because the world is you know now that the big five are becoming the big four and then you know that we have all these amazing indie publishers i see daily on sub- like submittable um we need horror poems we need speculative fiction poems so there is there is a, a genre there is a need and a desire f- for genre poetry i don't write genre poetry it's, I mean, I, I don't really, okay, I'm sure weird things have happened in my poems, but I, I've never written a, va- I don't have vampires or, I did write one about Frankenstein, I will say that, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I was just thinking, what a great class, Poetry for Fiction Writers, and it would be uh, just a focus on le- uh, everything Melissa said, you know, um, and, and how to then pull that into your writing genre literary or not. And because I think what I find sometimes is, you know, teaching as I do at these, you know, where people are writing novels that I think a lot of folks decide think they, they can focus on the sentence later. You know, like I'm writing the story. I'm just going to get it down. I'm going to get everything in place and I'm going to worry about the sentences. But my feeling is that the sentence is the engine of everything. And if your sentences aren't firing then um, y- your novel's not going to fire. Your novel is not going to fire if you're sent if you don't have that attention. Um, but you know, I just keep banging my drum. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, that that's interesting because so many of the, I mean, in, in our RMFA we try to give students access to a lot of different resources, a lot of different approaches, philosophies about how to how to write a novel. Right. Um, some of them uh, espouse the the idea of um, just Get it out, you know, just get it out as 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 fast and as unedited as you can, you know. Um, But it sounds as though you you might have a disagreement with that approach.
1: I don't have a disagreement, really, with that approach. Um, But sometimes I think it would be better if everyone had a better command of the sentence before they decided to do it. How does that? How's that? You know, so knowing comma splices and fragments and, you know, that kind of thing. So if everyone had a clear idea of the sentence and then you, you know, and I the my novel that's coming uh, out next February, this coming February 2023, I really did write it and revise it and get it out and sold in six months. So I did. But it was one of those books that I was had been thinking about for a decade. You know, Mm -hmm. in there. And it. so I did do just that thing. I sat down every day and I wrote the novel.
0: But it had gestated for a considerable period of time. It was ready to to be. Well,
1: yeah. Parts of it were still unknown, but but it was churning. It was churning. So I do believe in just getting it out. But then I, I would it would be so great if people were left with with something that was a little bit easy that then. The person didn't have to work on plot issues as well as those tinier, you know, the, the the sentence issues.
0: So let me ask you, like, where would a student go who wanted to achieve more control over, or knowledge of, or mastery of their work on a sentence level? How how would they do that?
1: Well, I I can tell you. <laughs> I, do, well, and this is cross pollination here, but I developed a class for UCLA Extension called Clear and Descriptive Writing. Cool. And um, I can't even tell you who signed up for that class. I've had UCLA professors. I have, like, I'm kind of scared to think about it. I have uh, two filmmakers in my class. I have one guy who's writing a self help book based on his journey as this sort of well I don't I haven't Googled him because I'm scared to. But, he, <laughs> you know, some and he wants he is he, where we did things where, like we learned how to write different kinds of sentences. And now we're working on the paragraphs and how to put them together. So if UCLA is offering a class like that there are those classes out there, probably at community colleges, there are, you know, or at community centers. I'm sure there are classes on sentences or there are books like the kinds that I'm using where you could just say, I'm going to, I'm going to spend two weeks thinking about a positives. (laughs) You know, I, if, if your readers keep telling you this is a great idea, I love your characters. It's a great setting, but the writing is a little problematic. This might be a class to take.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How,
1: how, I mean, how, how did each of you?
0: I'm, I'm going to start with you, Melissa. How did you gain control of your of your of your writing on that level, on a sentence level, on a paragraph level? Was it was it just something that sort of occurred? Through repetition and practice, and and doing your writing as a as a uh, and as, a, as an apprentice, and then a journeyman, and then a professional writer.
2: Yeah, I would say it's it was it was a product of writing in multiple genres for multiple years, and also I think I gained control by teaching writing. Hmm, interesting. You know, I started out as a grammar teacher at community college decades ago, and I think just I didn't get a good grammar education in high school or college, so having to be the expert on that really made me think about gr- grammar and sentence structure and, you know, when to, when to learn the rules and when to break the rules for, mm-hmm. for effect. So it was a combination of all of that and reading, sorry, reading constantly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's those are our real teachers. That's that's yeah. what i found anyway.
2: Yeah. And I tend to read with a pen in my hand. I was at Powell's the other day, the big bookstore in Portland, and somebody was staring at me because I took a pen to this paperback I just bought. And I was <laughs> underlining and writing in the margins. And it was like they they were just so horrified that I would write in a book. But it was I'm using it as a mentor text. hmm pick apart and find out how the author is doing what she's doing and how I can do it as well.
0: What right? what, book, what book was
2: that? Oh, it's, it's creative nonfiction. It's Susan Orlean, one of her books of oh, essays. She's, well, the she's essay. wonderful. Yeah, she's terrific. Yeah.
1: yeah. And what, what about
0: you, Jessica? How did you gain that mastery that is evidenced in your own work?
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, what Melissa said, I when I started as an adjunct at the community college, I eventually was tenured at. They gave me my first classes were basic sentence, grammar rules and spelling. And they had a learning center. That's what they called it then and going over and over and over and over all those rules because I I did take a grammar class in my master's, my first master's degree, and it was so hard because we are not taught the grammar rules necessarily, you know, I'm taking it. I've been taking Italian for years and I know the grammar rules in, and as I'm thinking about them in Italian. I'm going back and thinking about them in English, but I'm old now. And when I was young, it was just like, here's a sentence. And I was a reader. So it, when people started talking about grammar, I would almost wave my hands. It's like, I, I understand grammar. I'm a, I'm a reader. I, I know it. But teaching grammar, teaching sentence structure, um, thinking about punctuation, <laughs> which I really like to do um as, as because
0: I think that's that's the poet poet part of you
1: to comma or not to comma
0: <laughs> <laughs> <at the> <laughs> what about you paul oh gosh um no i would say exactly the same thing from from reading a lot i like like you like probably many people who who are drawn to writing i feel like i had a an, an ear an instinctive ear that was that was quite accurate but but i would never really understand The logic or the or the system behind what sounded good to my ears so I could do fairly well, like in grammar classes in high school without really understanding anything, uh, because I just knew when something was wrong and I knew when something was right. Um, But but then becoming uh, a writing uh, instructor uh, and having to explain to uh, a student why what they had written, why why what they had written was not communicating what they wanted to communicate. The image in their mind was not being successfully transferred onto paper. And the reason was because of syntax or punctuation, a lack of a, I mean, commas, the the lack or presence of a comma can destroy a sentence. It can destroy a story. Uh, I mean, it seems weird that such a small thing could have such a profound effect. But I really honestly do believe that I've seen it so often. Um, So I think, you know, in common with you, Melissa, like teaching, teaching it and Jessica teaching it really, really helped me. And uh, I feel like so many of our students have this um, this idea, which I completely understand and sympathize with that. I'm going to get my idea. I'm going to get my story out and I'll leave it to the copy editors later to or the editor to, you know, impose a kind of grammatical order or syntactical order on my story. Um, and what I try to get across is like, you can't really tell your story effectively in a way that does your story justice until you have a certain degree of, of uh, expertise in these areas. And it doesn't have, you don't have to be like a a, a grammar, you know, whiz about it. I, I found that A high school level of grammar and syntax, sentence structure and so on, really all that is necessary to write at a very high level, to write fiction at a very high level.
1: I can't even imagine uh, what a copy edited uh, return manuscript would look like with grammar problems or punctuation (laughs) problems, because usually there's questions about things that, you know, i um, with my first novel, I was stunned to realize I'd been spelling fruit loops wrong my entire life. you know so i i, I just well,
0: how how were you spelling fruit loops i
1: I think i spelled it the correct way, like f r u i t l o o p s fruit loops is f r o o t Fruit, Fruit Loops. So they, we could have two O's with both yeah. words, right? Wow. But, but, you know, there's somebody. So when I got that book back, and it wasn't about the problems weren't grammatic. You know, they were they were related to other things, or this, you know. And I just went, <laughs> wow, this is this is a lot to to deal with. Um, yeah, and this idea that you know, I just read an article from a, a it was an editor of a literary journal and i get it's on one of my list serves i get all these articles but basically the the editor said we will pick a story we like less if it's correct than mm-hmm. a story that we like more that will it, wow. that is problematic
0: i'm a little surprised to hear that to be honest
1: well they don't have time yeah. They do not have time to take the story that maybe is is you know, rife with problems, comma splices, whatever. they're they don't have the time to edit it. They don't have the time to interact with the writer about how to fix it, the back and forth, the back and forth. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're on a deadline, they have no staff. They're not even being paid, let's say. One person's being paid in that whole j- journal, the rest are interns and volunteers. Yeah. So they don't have time to do that. So if you think someone's gonna do it for you, mm-hmm. it's in an alternate universe <laughs> 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 that I wish we lived in sometimes, right? <laughs> Uh, and and or you can pay or you can write your novel, get that thing down and then pay for somebody to right. fix it for you. Which well, is and, that,
0: and that's something you should do if, if you're self-publishing.
1: Right. If you're self-publishing, you absolutely should hire a cop. You probably might even hire a developmental editor at that point and then someone who will copy edit your
2: book.
0: Let me just jump in here, because I think it would be interesting and useful, educational, to talk a little bit about, like, um, the difference between a developmental editor, a copy editor, and a proofreader.
1: Yeah, well, what so, do you think?
0: What do I think?
1: <laughs> you want me to? I mean, I can yes, tell you. I'm, but I'm, I,
0: asking, I, I'm asking you.
1: Okay, I <laughs> I can absolutely talk about that, probably a lot too much but so if you're writing a novel that you're going to self-publish and you and you it's your first novel and you've never written a novel before but you know you're going to self-publish it and you've taken it to your writing group and your beta readers and they've given you the commentary but you should probably then take that thing which i would guarantee you if it's your first novel is a little bit of a hot mess I would assume. Right. Your your beta reader is probably your 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 sister and your mom. And people (laughs) tell me this all the time. Well, my mom read it. And she loved it, and I'm like, oh no, because my mom, of course, read my first novel too, right? So a developmental writer will help you arc your, your see if you, your story has an arc, if the characters are developed, if the setting is clear, if if maybe the set the story needs to be rearranged, if the the core elements of theme, plot, and character are working, and and if they're not working, then that editor will help you you know, manipulate all of that into a a fixable way. The developmental editor will uh, and and sometimes developmental editors will also say, I can also I will also reread this and then do a copy edit on that. So that would be going through and finding all the errors. So let's say you didn't take the high school grammar class and you, you just had a great idea. This could be extensive. Of all the all the punctuation, the sentence structure, um, you know, all the fragments and the con- some fragments are okay, but you know, the comma splices, the dialogue format. Maybe you wrote a whole book without dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! I summarized it all. Okay, so maybe writing some dialogue and how to punctuate that. Um, And then getting all of that and giving you help with, like, the rules, giving you handouts, showing you sources Mm -hmm. online, you know, talking about MLA and all that stuff.
0: There's kind of an educational aspect to copy editing, isn't it?
1: Oh, you know, that is a whole class and program in and of itself, right? How to copy edit. And they have a special language that that you might not even understand when you get your back okay i'm so i'm so old that when i first got it you know i had the blue pencil i had yep. blue pencil <laughs>
0: mine was <laughs> red but yep absolutely. you had red <laughs> i
1: i might i that i you know as a teacher i when i had the hard copy i never used red it's a scary color isn't is it
0: scary yes absolutely
1: and then proofreading is just proofing you know like going it's almost like you can put on a pair of glasses that are proofreading glasses and you sort of scan and you're looking for the best way to do that apparently is to read things backwards I don't know how much you'd have to pay someone for that
0: (laughs) I've done it I mean I've done all I've I've in my freelance work I I have I have done all of those things and been all of those all of those people I, I I find you know, developmental editing was incredibly satisfying on uh, on a kind of a, like a high level right. because you're 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 talking about um, structure. A lot of what you're doing is talking about structure. You're talking about themes, all of all the kind of big elements yeah. of crap. Um, copy editing is interesting if you're a writer because you get to look stuff up. Yeah. You get to learn new things. You 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 follow. Uh, um, you know, you you make sure that the writer has has done their homework, and if they haven't done it, you have to do it for them, yes. basically. Yes. Um, and then proofreading was my least favorite because it's just a drag. And yeah, reading it reading stuff backwards is is a good way to do that, but um, who wants to do that? But thank God for proofreaders. I mean, don't get me wrong. No. Just amazing great. amazing people, and I thank God for all of these. Uh, all of these roles in the in the literary you know ecosystem
1: well and we now we're writing in a different with different technology when i started of course you know there was no grammar or spell check and now grammar and right. spell check are so in they're integrated into they the are. into word and but you, is that
0: you, is that good or bad i mean what do you think of i mean obviously spell check is going to miss a lot of stuff yes. Any, yes. any kind of any kind of like homophone is going to homophone is going to be like completely missed by a by a by a spell yeah. check program. But but even grammarly, I feel is 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 harmful to a writer um, because I think it catches things that are that are not relevant to to a writer's approach to language to the That's flow the rhythm of language and 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 it's going to apply rules in a in a very uh black and white way that that you know a a writer cannot apply them that way i mean you obviously want to know the rules of grammar and the rules of punctuation but at the same time uh there has to be more more leeway in in your work at least that's what i've found and and writers that that kind of uh um, rely on Grammarly to do the work for them, rather than buying a book like Dryer's English, for example, and and reading it and rereading it and studying it and learning from it. Um, their their work isn't natural; it doesn't come across with a natural flow.
1: So maybe there's a difference if you use spell and grammar check if you have a command of the language, so that you can just notice that you left a comma out. You know that it's something. But if you don't know the rules, then maybe you just will accept everything that happens on the page because you think that the pa- the program knows best.
0: Well, that's the that's exactly yeah. the problem, I think. Yeah. The program I, does not know best.
1: No, the, no, the program does not know best, and I I I leave mine on, and sometimes I look and I go, this is not, it's missing a lot of missing a lot of things that I can spot. And it's picking up stuff that it doesn't know what I'm doing. You know, it's giving the double blue underline, that little dastardly grammar saying. Yeah. Um, I, uh, for me, I love it. Uh, do you turn yours off? Do you turn yes. it off? Yes, I don't it have off. it on.
0: I never mm-hmm. turned it on. In You've fact.
1: never turned it on?
0: No, I don't mm-hmm. use it at all.
1: Not even at the very end.
0: I do use spell check at the very end, mm-hmm. but I never use Grammarly. I don't, well, I don't
1: think I use Grammarly. Is that in Word? Is that what's in Word now? Well, Word
0: has a has like a grammar checker, but I don't yeah. use that. I don't. I never use that.
1: So interesting. It's like it's like skiing without a helmet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. I I, I find like it's it's like. Ha- Having a uh, having like a putting the word word grammar checker on at any point in when I'm writing something, it's like having a, 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 a pedant who thinks they know everything, but in reality knows nothing. And they're yeah. constantly saying, oh, is that right? Oh, that's wrong. Oh, think about that. You need a comma there. Oh, you're using this word incorrectly. And it just it's infuriating. So I just turn it off.
1: Oh, you know, I, I'll try it tomorrow when I write my poem and see what happens when I well, get my prompt. First how, thing. Could you,
0: how could you possibly use grammar, I, a grammar checker for a poem?
1: Well, I don't. OK, here's the thing. I don't really pay too much attention to it. You know, I okay. I'll write everything and then I'll. One time, I remember there, I think it was maybe my fifth novel. I, I had it on, but I wasn't paying any attention to it. And it stopped actually letting me write because I had so many errors. I write pretty messy, you know? Yeah. I, I write, but I, I don't, I just let it do its thing and I keep doing my thing. And then at the end, I look, I go, oh boy, I'm typing t- terribly today. <laughs> I, but I don't take it personally. But I do wish people knew the didn't weren't relying on such like grammarly for their information. Interesting. You you gave me something to think about. I'm feeling bad about myself, right?
2: Now. Oh don't don't <laughs>
0: feel bad about
1: yourself.
2: Come on. <laughs> I have a, a question that I think um, people here might love an answer to, if you don't mind. What do you think about finding an agent? Or publishing with a small or mid-sized press versus doing an indie publishing
1: endeavor? Great question. That is Such a good question. Um so my sorry, my dogs are having a standoff at the okay corral down here. Could so if I disappear. <laughs> I saw one ear, but I, I couldn't see the rest of the dog. Yeah, they're they're just have they're just circling circling each other. Um so I've done I've had all of of the above right I I and I my I have sort of an Uber agent who's interested in one thing but not she's more of a platform based um agent have far away from her I and really I've been working extensively with indie publishers uh-huh. and just sort of doing my own thing um, I also I learned how to do some foreign um, rights all by myself, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, when she finally split off. And I, I think in the beginning, like in the beginning, when I started writing, I'm so glad I've had four agents and I'm so glad that I had my first agent, not really my second, third or fourth. I, I oh. because they I, but my first agent, she taught me a lot. She taught me about the how what I didn't know. I thought I would just send her a book and then something would magically happen. And then I realized that just because she accepted me um, doesn't mean it didn't mean anything. It meant that my book then had to go out to submission to editors who would then do the same thing to me that other agents had done by rejecting my book. I was like, oh, I didn't know that happened. (laughs) I thought agents were magical creatures that, you know, where they were fairies from another realm that would give (laughs) me what I wanted. And um, then when that agent left, after I learning a lot, I I got a very fancy agent at a very fancy um, agency who really didn't care too much about what I was doing at all and pushed me into a place. And I willingly followed where he said I should go, but I didn't really want to, but I did it because he was a magical agent working at a magical agency. And I thought I should, I would be become magic if I did what he said. So, um, and and then just going through some interesting situations with a, an agent landing an indie publisher, and I sort of thought, you know, I think I can do that on my own, and I don't have to pay anybody anything because now I've learned a lot, mm-hmm. and at this stage in the game... Um, I've developed relationships with editors and publishers and journals and people who are interested in doing things working with me. But I don't I think it's better that I'm at the stage I am now doing some of this stuff rather than at the beginning when I didn't know what I was doing. And I was not young. I was just immature or ignorant of what what it meant to, to be in the publishing game. So I I think, you know, but you know, I have a student right now, a former student, and she's um she's gone off into the stratosphere. Her name's Julie Clark, and she writes these kind of very tense thriller type things that time is of in essence and She's actually coming to my book group uh, via Zoom tomorrow uh, uh, because someone picked her book. I go, Julie, um, and so she's going to Zoom in. But um, she, you know, she waited. I mean, she was wasn't till 45, but she got an agent who then helped her do that. Her it was her first novel. And she'd done kind of the literary thing where she's sending out short stories and getting rejected by journals. So she. She needed that person to really help her. So a good agent is invaluable, can really teach you, but it's possible to survive on your own in the wilds if you do a lot of research and studying and do your homework and go to conferences and get an MFA and learn from your teachers and take it out there.
0: There's a a a question in the chat that I think um, is a good follow-up to that. this is from Janae and, and they ask, besides the small list on query tracker, what's a good way to find small indie publishers that accept unagented submissions?
1: This is a great question. And I tell my students about all the well, I think for one, submittable.com is is the is just it's a big giant overarching submissions site. So and indie publishers will put their um, they're what they want up there, you know and, and it, it there and submittable so many publishers, big and small, indie big and indie small and sometimes even big, um, have a submittable port that they yeah. use. Uh, so I you know in in the top um, left hand corner of submittable is something it says discover. Click on discover. Write in the, the search bar, write in what you have, horror novel, fantasy novel, you know, coming of age novel, uh, you know, and click. And you will be surprised how many indie publishers will be there ready to take your submission for a contest or for a fee. Sometimes they don't even charge. And, and you, can, you, you can get your novel out there. One thing that, especially if it's free, one thing that's really great about submitting your novel is that um, you can get a response to your novel. Like so, you might get a, if you get a, a response that says, thank you for your submission. We wish you well with your writing journey. Um, you will know that your novel is maybe not working very well you may get a tiny hint and then if that if you get something like that a couple of times you might be spurred to go getting a developmental or a a copy editor or getting a read from somebody if you get a long personalized letter from an a, an editor who says you know we were really on the fence about this but you know we really like work that's a little more experimental than what you have then you know that your your novel is firing Maybe that would inspire you to to write a couple queries to agents. Mm-hmm. To say, You know, you might get some hints. There's also um, a site called newpages.com. New Pages does, it, it isn't as extensive, but it lists a lot of contests, book, poem, essay, all genres. You can find it there. Uh, and Duotrope dot com is another one for five bucks a month you can join you get the skinny on a lot of agents are also on duotrope Um, so you can you can the agents have a page and if you want to go more back you know back toward um you can go to publishers uh, marketplace dot com publishers marketplace lists these agents and um so you can start you can start Figuring out what your novel's doing, where your novel should best go. If you got get a lot of offers suddenly, you sent out your novel three times, three indie publishers decide they need to have your novel. You might need to say to yourself, you know, maybe I should go up one more step here and spend a th- three months trying to get an agent and see what happens. So yeah. 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 I
0: mean that to me, that would be the time to reach out to
1: an agent. Right. Right. I, they're, they're really, really important. Uh, so you, and mentioned, you can do it on your
0: own. You mentioned a lot of, uh, you mentioned contests, you mentioned, um, uh, opportunities to submit with a fee. I know this is a somewhat controversial, um, uh, topic among, among writers, especially in genre fiction, uh, yeah. like in speculative fiction, you know, there's that old saying that money flows to the writer. The writer does not pay people pay the writer, um, and that's gospel in the speculative fiction world, but that is not necessarily gospel in the literary fiction world or in the romance fiction world, for example. So what – and this is another question I would direct to both of you, like where do you come down on the idea of should writers pay to enter a contest? Should they pay a submission fee? Is it, is it fair? Is it worthwhile?
1: Big and, uh,
0: the dogs have weighed in, obviously.
1: Dogs say no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did you hear that? Those are my neighbor's dogs. <laughs>
0: oh, really? Wow.
2: <laughs> oh, I should shut my door. I, you can spend a lot of money on contests and submission fees. I'm not sure that you need to. I I don't know. I, I'm noticing a lot more um, a lot more editors waiving those fees if people are in an MFA program or they're from a marginalized demographic. But I mean, how much does it cost now to submit a manuscript unsubmittable? Is it? I heard five dollars. Is that true?
1: That uh, adds up. Five would be a uh, you know they're anywhere from free to a very big contest if you're talking about like gray wolf or saraband or Mm -hmm. you know one of the sort of very you know literary high stakes university of georgia you know the 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 catherine porter award you know they can be 20 or 25 dollars for a contest Mm
2: -hmm. manuscripts
1: run anywhere from two to to i mean you know just sending in in something um Mm. So you're saying you're saying you don't you think it's too much?
2: I just think in terms of our students who are in this program and maybe working one or two jobs. It, oh sure, it, it adds yeah. up. It adds up. I'm not. I I don't know. Yeah, it could be it could be a
0: real bar to to writers like our students who are. Who are like you point and out? Who are paying a, for
1: an MFA at this very moment. Among,
0: yes, <laughs> among among other things. And then they have this other uh, you know, it's kind of an a, an obstacle in a way that that that's like, you know, it's favoring some writers over other writers, basically. Well, here's
1: what you can do. You can go to submittable, hit discover, and write in no fee. Yeah. And yeah. hundreds of opportunities show up. Yeah. So you you know usually what you find is those journals or publishers have some kind of endowment or they're connected with a university, uh, and and they have they so if you don't have the funds, do that, and and I think you can get a feel. The others, you know, I. If you are, you know, so I remember one time my agent, you know, again, this is in the prehistoric time, she asked me for 17 copies of my novel. She said, I, you need to send me 17 copies so I can submit your novel. By copies. the time wow. I was done going to Kinko's, buying the box.
2: True, that was know, expensive. Um,
1: submitting my novel, so I spent, you know what, $80 sending this, and eventually, yes, I made that money back, but (laughs) I might not have, and I think, so if you win a big contest, or your novel is published by a a reputable indie publisher who will then actually get you out there, and something happens, it can pay off. And you can get reviewed. You can get a teaching job with a nice indie published novel that has been well reviewed. And you could uh, you're you are now viable in the in the in the working world. And so, yeah, you spent 20 bucks on a contest. Oh, well, now you have a teaching job. Yeah. So I, I, I know that might be rare, but I don't think that's necessarily a, a rare thing that has happened. People go viral in some way and it pays off. How How do you know? So start with a no fee. And then when you get your first job, start paying two dollars. <laughs> so I'm not the money just the money really doesn't flow to the writer, even if I mean, and if you get paid a lot of money uh, all the time that then the right the money is but the money's really flowing in the top in the big five to the big five to the right right? so I don't know if I believe that mantra. It sounds really firm and strong though. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it were true. (laughs) Well
0: certainly that's the ideal situation that we all that we all hope for.
1: But you know what does that you have to spend money to make money.
0: Yeah. Or, well, that's. You know, I mean, you know, in the self-publishing world, there's no question that that's the case, right? Because you do have to spend the money. You have to you have to purchase all of the services that a traditional publisher would would provide for you and more. Um, and actually, even in the traditional publishing these days, you have to purchase a lot of stuff yourself. Yes, you do. Um, you, you can't rely on a traditional publisher to um, successfully market your book, for example.
1: Exactly. I mean,
0: they will have some kind of marketing plan for you, and great, but you you really have to go the extra mile yourself, and you have to shell out some money and 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 do some hard work.
1: I you know, the publicity department, they do have a great marketing arm, like like Penguin, Random House. I mean, it's like they're in every store. It just naturally flows. But if you're a midlist type of person, you know you're you're. They're not gonna get a fantastic book tour going for you and send you all over the world. You know, no, if you not they, gonna happen. They, no, it's it's not. So I don't know. I'm kind of I'm. I feel maybe I'm just. Well, I don't know. I wish I wish it was a different writing world than it is, but I think that there are enough contests and publishers willing to accept manuscripts that it's probably our students can find a way until there's a way to do more.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to, since we're kind of running down to the last moments of our chat, I wanted to uh, invite our our audience to once again um, ask any questions that you might have for, for Jessica or Melissa or me. Uh, just type them in the chat. Um, We're we're happy to happy to answer almost everything. There's some there's some secrets that we have to keep. Uh,
1: If I had one, I really would tell you. I I just (laughs) I I, I feel like I've written everything down. (laughs) What kind
2: of dog is that?
1: This is Mar. Is that Marcel? Yes, that's Marcel, and he is a Pyrenean Shepherd. Um, and he that's his chair. That's where he does this okay. thing. I'm sorry, you had to see that I should have blocked. It. Yeah. He just he just he loves that chair. I mean,
0: oh, now is. I see him there. Yeah, that's go oh, look at his tail wagging. That's oh, great.
1: Wow. Oh, they're they they're intense dogs, this this breed. I don't recommend them for anyone. <laughs> I, I, it, the, the, I love them, but my God, it's from morning until they go into their crates at night. It's a constant walking, outdoor. What can we do? What's next? What's going to happen now? It's like <laughs> nothing's going to happen.
2: <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, so what do you look for in
1: an indie publisher to tell if they're reputable? Mm,
2: great question,
1: oh, so I have written about this because I have uh, worked with one indie publisher who was not reputable mm. and I wrote him media I, I, I sort of don't know if I should shame shame the per the, the publisher um, uh, in the I can should I should I shame should I mm-hmm. shame? I think
0: a little shame can be a healthy thing, but I'll leave it to you.
1: Okay. So I, and it's a book I really love and they did publish it and it worked out. It's, it's urban farmhouse press and they had a great website. And I actually wrote to one of the, this is the, one of the things you can do. You can write to one of the authors who have been published by the Mm -hmm. indie press Mm -hmm. and ask questions. Now I happen to know this writer and she told me her experience and um, she she actually was a student. She taught at UC Riverside and was a student of mine at UCLA. And I thought, okay, she knows. Well, weird things started happening. The pub date kept moving. Mm. Um, I never got the proofs. You know, stuff, stuff wasn't right. But... <laughs> it finally sort of got right and it happened and it never was good. It was never good. He actually never gave me all my advance.
0: Oh, that's yeah. terrible.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I, my son, uh, son-in-law is a, is a lawyer. I got out of my contract. I was able to self publish the Kindle version and, um, take back everything, but I wrote about it on medium. Oh, I wrote a long article and um, I cannot tell you how many people have contacted me from that one article. And they don't, they're even, writers want to be published so badly. They want it. They want it. They need it. They don't want to hurt. They don't want to cause waves. And so they never write their comments in the in the comment. They just write me a message. Um, so if you want to know. You, st- you write to more than one writer. <laughs> don't write to someone you know who's been published. Write to somebody you don't know who's been published by that press. Ask them, th- and I can guarantee you that that writer will write you back. So what happened was three or four other writers and I wrote to, got, found each other online. We banded together. One person wrote to Duotrope, one person wrote to New Pages, one, um, we wrote to all these people to explain what had happened to us, and Urban Farmhouse um, Press was canceled a little bit, but not quite. This one guy who wrote to me last week said he was accepted by them four years ago, never Hmm. heard from them, and got a rejection letter from, got a rejection, a form rejection letter from him the week before. So at Google, Google the Google the heck out of the of the press. So I'm working with somebody right now who I will not shame. I'm working with a guy named Bill Burleson from Flexible Press. And I I mean, Mike, he accepted my manuscript. We were on a Zoom the next day. Every single thing he said he was going to do, he did. he's got the back copy, the covers going. He gave me all these options just like a publisher should. Mhm. And at AWP, he took us all out to dinner. I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> you know, I don't have to shame him on a, uh you know anywhere. So, um ask around.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And that that's where we're going to have to end it for tonight. Okay, well,
1: thank you for letting Thanks. me just Blather oh, on. This,
0: this was a this was a really great uh, episode of the chat. I think there was a lot of really useful information that came up here, and I I certainly have enjoyed it, and I enjoyed meeting your dog. Oh well, <laughs> yes, Marcel, Marcel will
1: be talking about you for days. He's been he staring. <laughs> you didn't know but he was really staring. <laughs> Melissa, it was great to meet you in person, uh, sort of in person. Yeah, you as well. I'll see you maybe in Portland. Yeah, maybe we can. Have a, a bookstore coffee date. <laughs> there you go. To you.
0: Wireside Chat, bringing writers together.
1: That's
2: Thank our you.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All, right,
2: All right. Good night, everybody. Right.
1: Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.